0: Hey SIA family, thank you for joining us today. We really hope that this message encourages you and blesses your life. Well, before you hear this powerful teaching, I wanna encourage you to share this message with someone who needs to hear the gospel. You never know what this message can do to the life of that person. Also, we want you to know that wherever you're watching us from, you can still impact the lives of others through your giving. It is through your generosity that we can keep pushing the kingdom of God Forward in our city and all over the world. Giving is safe and simple. You can go to our app, or you can go to our website, cfmiami.org/give. Well, God bless you, and I hope you enjoy this message. Amen. You know what? I stood over there. I was watching all of you sing at all campus. Listen carefully. I love the fact that you were raising your hands in worship, but I love also the fact that you were singing the words, and it is you who we adore. Amen. You know what we do every single Sunday morning, weekend, when we come here and gather together and we sing praises to God, what we're really saying to our Lord as we sing praises, it is you alone who we adore, amen? Can we give another shout of praise to our great God today? And let me pray for us, my Lord, we, your children, Lord, gather together with our hands lifted high, Lord, declaring to you, oh God, that it is you who we adore. And so, Father, as we gather together now across all campuses and online, oh, Lord, to study your word, Father, we ask for your grace to understand your word. And Father, may we understand it, embrace it, and then live in obedience, oh, Lord. We love you and thank you. It's in the precious name of Jesus we pray, and all of God's people say, amen. Amen. Hey, let's give another shout of adoration to our God. Hey, well, welcome, everyone. My name is Omar, and I have the honor and the privilege of serving as a lead pastor here at Christ Fellowship. And if you're joining us today for the first time, you know, we're always honored and, welcome, uh, and and happy to know that there are people who decided to come to join us today. In fact, family, let's go ahead and give it up for them right now if you're watching. Hey, thank you so much for joining us. And today we are in the middle, in this summer series, of a middle of a series called Romans chapter 8. Uh, that we have been going verse by verse by Romans chapter 8, which many consider the greatest chapter in the Bible. You know, last week I taught how the hope of a child of God, the hope of a believer, it's not on the things of this world right it's not on the temporal things but rather our hope it's on the second coming of christ right because when he returns we're gonna get our brand new bodies that will never get sick that will never be in pain and that will never die amen but you know the truth is that during this time until that moment when christ returns we still have these bodies don't we and these bodies get sick suffer and are full of Weakness. In fact, I've entitled this message today, The Weakest Point of Your Race. And so, if you're in your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 8, and we're gonna look at verse 23 and 26, and you can follow along with me as I read God's Word. All right, let's do what God's Word says. You know, we ourselves. We who have the first fruits of the Spirit, right? The Spirit of the living God inside of us. We, what, church family? You could do a little better than that today. We, what? Yeah, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons of redemption of our bodies, right? In the second coming of Christ. For in this hope we were saved. And then notice what it says likewise the spirit helps us in our what in our weakness in other words at the moment of our greatest weakness in the moments of the greatest weakness of your life listen carefully you are not alone amen that is god's word you can go and take a seat everybody at all campuses And folks, let me start off by sharing a story with you that we shared a while back, but I think it's just so applicable to today's teaching. You know, I love watching the Olympics, and even though they come on uh, on the TV every four years, whenever they're on, I like to tune in and just watch a little bit, but the sport that I really, really enjoy watching has to be the Olympic runners. You know, there's something about them sprinting in such a high speed that it's just marvelous, to look at. Now, if you are an Olympic fan, you may have heard of the story of Derek Redmond. By any chance, how many of you have heard or remember the story of Derek Redmond, Show of hands? Wow, not many. So I'm good, I'm telling this story again. You know, for those of you who don't know, let me just give you a brief overview of what happened in Derek's life. You know, Derek was grew up in England as an ordinary young boy. But ever since he was young, he knew that he had a gift. And that gift was to run really, really, really fast. Now follow me here because when he got of age and he began to compete, folks, everyone knew he had a special talent. In fact, at an early age, listen, he began, he, he, he showed up to a scene and he broke the British record for the 400 meters. That raised a lot of eyebrows. Then the next year, he won actually the British Championships in the 400. In 1991, he went on to the World Championships and there he won gold. He won the first place when he beat in a team, the highly favored American team. So that was a huge upset. But folks, his entire career was leading to one place. And that was the race at the 1992 Summer Olympics in Barcelona. And folks, I gotta tell you, Derek was in the greatest form and the greatest shape of his life. In fact, in the first round, listen, he posted the fastest leg out of anybody in the Olympics. And so folks, he was ready to take on the world and win gold. And so the moment he started his race, his track around in the second round, with the whole world watching, take a look at what happened to this young man. And folks, the moment that that took place, listen, as you saw, it dropped him to the floor. And he was in the greatest weakness of his life, the greatest suffering of his life right at that moment. And when he was on the floor by himself, it felt like everyone kept running. Everyone just kept running the race while he stayed on that floor in the moment of his greatest weakness. And folks, let me just bring that over to our time together, because what an image of so many Christians as they are in their Christian race, so to speak. And by that, I mean that just like Derek started off strong, but eventually something happened in his life, right, that we experienced deep pain, deep suffering right on that floor, just like that. And here's the big idea for today as we jump into God's word. Listen, there are so many Christians. You know who start off their Christian race and they're going great, right? They're running, they're strong, they're enjoying life, but folks something happens in their life. Something strikes that sends them in the floor and they experience overwhelming profound weakness and suffering. Maybe it was a death of a loved one. Maybe it was a death of a child. For others, it may be the loss of a relationship, the hardest moments in a marriage, the darkest moments of a divorce. For others, it may be just a moment where the word cancer is uttered by a doctor. Maybe it's just some sort of physical ailment that has debilitated their body to such a degree that they can't even form a sentence. That's how much in pain they are. And for others, it's those moments prior to death where the body is breaking down and the body is overwhelmed such that they are unable to speak. And you may be wondering, Pastor, what happens when I'm in those moments? Because as you were talking, I remember there are moments in my life, few moments in my life of those profound moments of weakness and suffering. I remember that moment. I remember that season. Or maybe you were here today at one of our campuses. Maybe perhaps you were here watching online and the reality is that you've mustered the courage just to be here, just to watch. But the truth is, is that you're going through one of those seasons in your life right now. And so you're probably wondering, Omar, as a child of God, what happens in those moments of such profound weakness? What happens in those moments? Does God know what's going on? Does God even care that I'm going through this right now? Folks, we're going to find out today from Romans chapter 8, all right? So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 8. Pull out your listening guides. Pull up your apps. And church, today today I have two powerful thoughts for you of when you went or when you go through a moment of suffering and weakness. And here's the first thing we need to remember as we dive into God's world. Write this down as point number one. That is this, that your heavenly Father knows your weakness and knows your suffering. Amen? Yeah. In fact, this is what God's word says. says that we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, right? We have the Spirit of God inside of us. We groan inwardly. We groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Now, folks, stop right there for a moment, and let me set things up for you. Because like I said earlier, last week, we learned that when Christ returns, not only is creation going to be redeemed, but we are going to redeem, right? We're going to get new bodies. But, folks, unto that moment, listen, because our bodies are full of weakness, because we suffer, passage says that we groan inwardly, until we see the redemption of our Christ at the second coming. In fact, God's Word says that our Father knows and sees our state of weakness. In fact, listen to what God's Word says in Psalms 103. Pretty impactful, it says this. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. Listen, he knows how we are made. Notice, it says, he remembers that we are what? But just but dust. See, when our Lord looks down upon us, right, in our temporal, earthly, weak bodies, he realizes, really, at the end of the day, the profound weakness of our bodies. Here's, here's the first thing, write this, off, write this down as letter A. First of all, he sees your physical weakness. You know, it's interesting, you know, humanity wants to be very prideful as to how strong we are. But if you start really looking down at our bodies, we're not as strong as we think we are, are we? You know, it's interesting, when I, was, when I turned 30 years old, I was talking to one of my best friends, David, and we realized that after we turned 30... Overnight, we didn't recoup as quickly as we did when we were in our teens and our 20s, right? The, our body started to change at 30. And then this past week in my men's small group, we were before we dove, you know, study God's word, we were just talking, somebody was just sharing their their, their stories, and we we're talking that at, at age 40, right? The body even takes another step down, and we gotta work harder to keep our bodies at a certain level. But the reality is, is that no matter how strong you think you are, sometimes even the smallest little things could really overwhelm us with pain and debilitate us. You know, for example, just a few, uh, a few months ago, uh, I actually got a herniated disc. You may probably didn't know that, but, you know, and let me tell you how this happened. We have a, a name, a 10-month-old at home, is late. his name is Mateo, right? He's our second child, and he got, a mo- he got a really bad congestion, so guess what? We bought this little thing called the Nose Frida. I don't know if you guys have heard of this, yeah? I see some parents shaking their heads, and what it is, it sounds pretty disgusting, which it is, is that it's a little tube that you literally suck the boogers out, not with a machine, but with your own breath, yeah, and... and what parents do for their children, right, it's crazy. But anyway, so, so I was just kinda, you know, pulling and, and, and sucking the, the congestion out, and folks, as I was pulling, I heard a little click right in my back. And I was like, what, and I, immediately I just felt radiating pain. And I thought, well, it's just probably a pulled muscle, you know, when you fall asleep and you wake up, right, so it's no big deal. But folks, it just kept on for like two or three weeks, it just, it just kept on that pain, nagging pain. And folks, the pain started getting worse. It started getting worse. I remember waking up in the mornings and just overwhelmed with like pain. I could, I could barely get to the kitchen to get my coffee, and I think the worst part about it was back in the Conversationalist series, you know, the one that we did before? Uh, on the weekend of gender identity, I remember that between services, I had so much pain, just overwhelming pain, to the point that after that 12.30 service, I just went straight to the hospital to get checked out. And folks, when I was there, they actually you know, they did an MRI and all, and it turns out I, had, I have a herniated disc right in my upper back. And, you know, thank God they put one of those spinal injections. You know, the pain has gone away, so hopefully it doesn't come back. But here's what I realized in that whole ordeal, how weak our bodies are even the smallest little things could overwhelm you with pain. In fact, if you are having some sort of issue right now, some sort of pain, chances are it's something so small, so minor, that it's off with your body and it sends you to the floor. Have you thought about that? And folks, it's just, it's just an example of how truly we are physically in our weakness. And even as we grow older, listen, if you have older parents or grandparents who passed away, I remember when my grandmother was in the process of dying, you really, truly start seeing how the body, the weakness of the body, how it starts breaking down to the point that it's just incredible how quickly a body can deteriorate before death. And so when the Lord looks down on us, listen, he understands that physically, like he said, listen, we are, contrary to what we think, listen, we're pretty fragile and weak in our, in our physical state. And when he looks back, not only that, but he also sees, write this down, as letter B your emotional weakness. You know, the truth of the matter is that it doesn't get it doesn't get it doesn't take much to get us really happy or really sad. Have you noticed that? In fact, just some in fact that, that one thing that right now you're so upset that got you so discouraged, so sad. If you step back and look at, look at it from the big picture, it's probably not that big of a deal, but it has you so discouraged if you think about this, right? In fact, when I look at my my three and a half year old Camila, listen, her emotions are like this, right? It's like a roller coaster. She's happy one moment, she is throwing TAMs the next. Why? Because emotionally, we're pretty fragile, we're pretty weak. And then lastly, when the Lord looks down on us, listen, write this down, let her see. He sees your spiritual weakness. You know, for so many Christians, when they start their Christian race or their journey, right, they're starting off strong, things are great, but something happened along the way that they get spiritual, spiritually cold. Something happens that you are not as on fire as you were back when you first started. You barely read God's word, you barely pray, and you randomly come to church. Why? Because even in our spiritual state, listen, our spiritual life, even we are weak, right? We go up and down. We're not as strong as we think we are at times, right? And so when the Lord looks down at us and sees our emotional, physical, spiritual weaknesses, here's what he he does. Listen, Listen again to what it says in Psalms 103. It says, as a father shows compassion to his children... So the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame and he remembers that we are dust. So how does our heavenly father show compassion to you and to me? Listen, very simple. He comes running to us. You know, going back to the original story of Derek Redmond, as Derek was there on the floor in the moment of greatest weakness, As he was there suffering, and he thought that, and he felt all alone in that moment. Listen, he was not alone. In fact, his father's eyes were on him the entire time. In fact, take a look. Pretty amazing, right? Yeah. And you know, what we saw there is in the moment where his father saw him in that moment of profound weakness, what he knew is that he needed his help, his father's help, and the best thing that he can do is to give him his own presence in the middle of those moments. can I tell you, listen, When your heavenly Father sees you in the moment of your greatest weakness, in the moment, listen, of that divorce, in the moment of that death, in the moment of the disappointment, in the moment of that agony, listen carefully, he also gives you his presence. Amen? And, folks, here is how he does it. Write this down as big number two. Your heavenly Father sends you his Spirit his Holy Spirit, to help you in your weakness. In fact, listen to what Jesus said in the Gospel of John. He says this, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another what? Another what? Another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him. You know him. Why? For he dwells with you and will be in you. And then I loved in the apostle Paul in the passage that we're looking at today. He echoes the promise of our Lord. He says this: Likewise, the Spirit what? What is it? Helps us in our weakness. Folks, don't lose the wonder of that. You know, the same spirit that was hovering over the dark waters in Genesis chapter 1 before God continued creation, that is the same spirit that lives inside each and every one of you. And he's there to teach you, to guide you, to lead you, to protect you, to give you wisdom. And folks, especially in those moments of weakness, he's there to help you. Can we praise God for that? And folks, since the Spirit's role, one of his main role, is to help us, right? Jesus calls him the helper. Here's how he helps us. First off, write this down that letter A. Listen, first of all, the Spirit begins by interceding for you. Now notice what it says in verse 26. It says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to, what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself, what? Intercedes for us. In other words, when the Spirit of God sees you in a moment of weakness, physical, emotional, even spiritual, listen, at that very moment, he begins to intercede for you. Now circle the word intercede, because the word intercede there in the original text, it's a compound word, and it really means someone who goes before another, is one part of the word, and then pleads on behalf of another. And folks, that's exactly what the Spirit of God does for you. When he sees you in the moment of weakness on the floor, he goes to the Father and he begins to intercede and plead for you. You know, the best thing that we can compare to modern terms is that of a power of attorney. How many of you have heard of the concept of power of attorney? Yeah, a a good portion of us, right? Now, if you're not familiar, let me just give you a quick overview of what that is. A power of attorney is when a person signs a legal document that says that whenever I am in a moment of profound weakness, when I am in a moment of suffering, when I cannot speak, when I am not conscious, listen, I appoint this person to speak on my behalf. That's what a power of attorney is. Listen carefully. Listen carefully. We do not have a power of an attorney, but we have a power, power of a spirit. Amen? Amen? Yeah, the one who goes before us and pleads for us even when we can't even form a sentence because of our suffering. And so you may be wondering, well, pastor, how does he intercede? What does he do? Well, write this down Let letter be The spirit prays for you with groanings, with groanings. Yeah, strange thing. Listen to what it says. It says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with what? Groanings. Groanings. With groanings too deep for words. The folks, what does that mean? Because You may not realize this, but this is an extremely complex passage. In in fact, I work hard to help kind of just simplify it for you, but theologians debate as to what this means. You know, some theologians say, well, it means, is we really referring to our groanings? Other people say, no, 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 it's not the person's groanings. No, no, it's the Spirit's groanings. But folks, I think it's both. I, I think it's the moment that, a person is so much weakness and pain and suffering that they are inwardly just groaning, the Spirit of God who loves us, who's inside of us, adopts the same groanings and takes those groanings up to the Father. And folks, here's what's amazing. The cool thing is that the Father hears the groanings of the Spirit, which are your groanings, and he understands those groanings. In fact, listen to what it says in verse 27. It says, and he who searches hearts knows what's in the mind of the Spirit. See, folks, a father who knows what everything that's in your mind also knows the mind of his own Spirit, this Holy Spirit of God. And so he understands the groanings, not only of your heart, but the groanings of the Spirit of God for you. Folks, what an amazing thought. That the spirit of god in the weakest moments of your life is talking there's a conversation between the father and the spirit on your behalf isn't that awesome yeah and so and here is what those groanings are all about here's what they mean write this down center c the spirit prays for you according to god's will Now listen to how the verse, the passage for today ends. It says says this. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the what? To the will of God. See, the truth of the moment, let's just be honest. In the moments of our weakest weakest moments and our deepest sufferings, you know, those moments where you're crying so much you can't even form a word, form a sentence. Folks, if we were even able to pray in those moments, the truth of the matter is that most likely we would be praying selfish prayers, self-serving prayers, right? Because we're in such moment of weakness and suffering that we can't even really think properly, right? But what I love is that the Spirit intervenes in the moment and those specific moments and he prayed for God's will in our life. And and, and oftentimes, God's will is not that he will just fix that problem, that he will make that problem quicker, that he will just do something specific, no, no. Oftentimes, the will of God is that the Lord will sustain you and carry you through those moments And so what the Spirit does is the Spirit goes to the Father and says, Father, look at your son. Look at your daughter. Carry him until the end. Make sure that he doesn't fail at those moments. Carry your son and daughter in the hardest moments of their life. And let me end with this. You know, when I was growing up, I read a poem, maybe as a young boy, that really made an impact on me. And the poem, the name of the poem was Footprints in the Sand. If you haven't heard it, let me just read it for you. It goes like this. One night, a man had a dream. And he dreamed he was walking along the beach with the Lord. And across the sky flashed scenes from his life. And for each scene, he noticed two sets of footprints in the sand. One belonged to him and another to the Lord. And when the last scene of his life flashed before him, he looked back at the footprints in the sand. And he noticed that many times along the path of his life, there was only one set of footprints. And he also noticed that it happened at the lowest and the saddest moments of his life. And this really bothered him. It bothered him. And he questioned the Lord about it and said, Lord, you said that once I decided to follow you, you would walk with me all the way. But I've noticed that during the most troublesome times of in my life, there's only one set of footprints. I don't understand why when I needed you the most, you would leave me. And the Lord replied, my precious, precious child, I love you and I will never leave you. Through in your times of trial and suffering, when you only see one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. And child of God, listen carefully. If you're going through one of those moments right now, At the end of your life, you're going to look at those footprints and you're going to realize that in the hardest, weakest, most difficult moments of your life, you were not alone. In fact, you were more than alone. You were being carried by the loving arms of your Father. Amen. Amen? Maybe you're here today and the reality is that as you hear talking about our Father loving us, helping us, carrying us, you realize that you really don't even know God that you don't even have a relationship with God. And that you've gone through so many difficult moments in your life and you're not realizing you were all alone. Why? Because you don't have a heavenly father. So you're probably wondering, Omar, how can I start a relationship with God? How can I get right with God? How can I... Listen, I don't, I don't, know, I don't know much about anything, but I just know I just can't do life alone anymore. I need the Lord in my life. I need God in my life. So how can I start a relationship with God? Is it by coming to church? Is it by coming on, watching online? No. Nope. Is it by good doing good things? I try to do my best. I'm a good person at work. No. Is it by doing a, a ritual back when I was a child? I did many rituals and traditions when I was a little infant. That's not the way it is. The bible is very clear the bible says in john chapter one but for those who did receive him to those who believed in his name to those he gave the right to become children of god listen when you become a child of god when you put your faith and trust in christ here's what happens he forgives you of all of your sins all of your shame wiped out forgiven he makes you his son and daughter. And from that moment on, listen, you can be sure that through the good times or the bad times, you are not alone. You have a heavenly Father with you who loves you and will never leave you or forsake you. But there has to come a point, listen carefully, there has to come a point where you put your trust in him, that you put your faith, that you believe in in what he did for you, the cross. And the moment that, that you do that, everything changes. The question is, will you surrender your life today and give your life to Christ let's bow our head for prayer father we are so grateful that through life we're not alone thank you lord that in the moments of our greatest weakness and suffering like that poem said lord you're carrying us through those moments so thank you lord but with all heads bowed and all eyes closed at all of our campuses, it's a very private moment. For those of you who feel like, you know what, I'm ready to, to pray, I'm ready to, to start this journey with the Lord. I'm ready. I'm ready to, 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 to start, you know, to, to get right with God and I'm ready. Well, in a few moments, I'm going to lead you through a prayer. But before I do that, listen, I'm going to ask you to do something. It's not going to be embarrassing. I'm not going to make you stand up or anything. It's going to be very simple. A few moments, if you feel that, man, you're, you, man you feel like you need the Lord and you want to start a relationship with the Lord, listen, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand with no one looking around. And the reason I do that is because there's something special that happens in our hearts where our physical matches what's happening in our heart. Amen? There's something that says affirmation. Yes, I'm ready for this. And so with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, and there's a private moment. No one's looking around. If you feel like, you know, one more pray for me, I'm ready. I'm ready to, to start a journey with the Lord. If that's you, slip up your hand right now. Says Pastor, just pray for me. I'm ready. Last night, I see you, sir. Anybody else? Anybody else? Says pray for me, Omar. I'm ready to start a journey with God all campuses. Amen. Listen, you can put your hands down. Listen, whether you raise your hand or not, at the end of the day, you know what? The Lord sees your heart and i want to lead you through a prayer and when you when I, as i lead you through this prayer you don't pray this to me you pray this to god who loves you so pray this with me lord today i've realized that all of my life i've been running this race by myself and there've been so many moments i've fallen to the ground and i was alone But today, Lord, I need, I know I need you. I need a a heavenly Father to to help me through my life. So, Lord, I come before you. I confess all of my sin. I ask you for forgiveness of my sins. And, Lord, I I no longer put my trust in myself or the things of this world. I only put my trust in what your son did for me at the cross when he died for me and for my sins. Save me, Lord. Give me everlasting life. And for the rest of my life, oh Lord, remind me that I am not alone, that in the moment of weakness, you are with me. Thank you, Father. It's in Jesus' name I pray, and all of God's people say, amen.